It's 12 and up, season 11, episode 7C, the scripture episode, with your host, Jonathan Malone, and guest host, Michael Strickland. Twelve and Up is a podcast about Christian faith and culture in the modern age. Your host, Jonathan Malone, is the pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island. Michael Strickland is the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Atchison, Kansas. This podcast is brought to you by Sunday's Philosophical Cage Match. Immanuel Kant fights because he must. It's his categorical imperative. David Hume fights because he just doesn't like Kant. I'm, I've got my tickets for that, uh, for that philosophical cage match. My money's on Hume because, I mean, have you seen him? The guy's ripped. He's huge. Kant, on the other hand, just goes for walks and thinks. Doesn't doesn't do any upper body work. And that's, I mean, maybe I'm missing something. But you can only your legs can only take you so far when it comes to a cage match. I don't I don't care what you think about um, epistemology or anything else of that matter. You got to have some upper body work. Anyway, I hope you watch that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks for for joining me again on this episode. Today, we're going to hear the conversation I had with Michael Strickland um, about Scripture. Uh, Michael's great at keeping me honest with Scripture, really calling me to account, making sure I don't get sloppy with my um, with my research and such. I do get sloppy, but he actually calls me on it and offers corrections. So that's why I feel good about doing Scripture with Michael. I don't have to work hard. Because I know he's going to pick up all of the many things that I miss. The many places where I speak in error, um, where I might mislead people. Michael's there to catch me. Thanks, Michael. You're great. Uh, so we're going to have our passage, and, and we take a little bit to go through it. It's on Micaiah, who is just really a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy listening to this deep look into Scripture, into the Hebrew Scriptures, that I did with Michael Strickland. The Reverend Michael Strickland. The Reverend Michael Strickland. Wait, are you ordained? What? (laughs) I bought a certificate off the internet. Good enough for me. Good enough? Okay. Michael is the uh, senior lead visionary pastor of the, of the First Baptist Church of Atchison, Kansas, renowned for their um, hospitality Holy towards ghosts. Yeah, that's true. It's a yeah, it's a major. It's the club med for the spiritual world, Atchison, Kansas. Sure. I don't know why, but they love it there. So, Michael, it's good to have you back on the show. Is this your this is your third time on, isn't it? I think so. Not I think including... we did a full episode, and then yeah. we did did a scripture a one, partial episode. Yeah, and you've been on a live show too. So this is and actually I... your, your fourth time. Yeah. Wow. Well, two more times, and you get a T-shirt. 
I've got my punch card ready. Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you've become uh, the Bible guy. Ooh, in my I've mind, got a anyway. Yeah, I know, right? I have evolved. <laughs> from just the guy from Kansas? Yeah. 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 Now you're the guy from Kansas who actually reads the Bible and knows stuff about it. Well, which everybody for, needs to know somebody who's uh, at least, you know, touched a Bible before. Right. And for American, I'm glad be that person for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, for American Baptist, it's not easy to find someone who has actually read the Bible and knows stuff about it. Usually it's finding people that have read about the Bible and know what other people say about it. So it's good to have you on the show. <laughs> All that being said, then I've maligned our denomination. Yeah. Uh. I, I, I'm sure many feel welcomed yeah. now. <laughs> I, I just figure I need to find someone who has been a part of the Southern Baptist for at least some time in his life because they read the Bible. They oh, that's me. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they don't know stuff about it, but they read the Bible. <laughs> I, sh- I shouldn't. In, in fairness, though, I was a Southern Baptist pass-through. Well, that's that's good that's enough. That's not where I started. That's not where I ended up. It was it was a conduit <laughs> to other things. But they were your rebound girlfriend. <laughs> they were my rebound girlfriend. <laughs> if only that were the case for more people involved and engaged with the Southern <laughs> Baptist. Okay, so you know what? I need to say there are many excellent Christians who are Southern Baptist. There's many fine Southern Baptist churches. And they love Jesus oh so much. And I don't want to take that away from them. Okay, good. Is that? Did I balance the scales back again? Did we uh, make I it right? I don't think so. <laughs> so we're going to be looking at um, First Kings, and if you're not sure where that is, it's right before Second Kings. He's witty. <laughs> well, that's the best you're going to get from me. I never learned the song. <laughs> in all fairness i saw jonathan use the index of his bible to find first kings as we were getting started today yeah, so i don't kept feel look- ashamed if you have to do the same yeah apparently it's not under f for first i was hoping that's where it was and that that really threw me no that's because it's really one kings people don't realize that so we're reading one from kings one kings, kings yeah we're reading one kings two two one two three six <laughs> So we're in First Kings uh, chapter twenty-two. Um, That's XXII for you Roman listeners. Oh, th- thank you. It's good to be inclusive. Yes. Thank Someone's got to bring the sensitivity element. Thank good we're not doing any numbers that would involve an L because that always throws me off. <laughs> and forget the D's and the C's. So yeah, First Kings twenty-two. Um, we want to give any context to what First Kings is about or anything like that, or or just trust that they know. Well, you see, ancient Israel had these kings. Good. Okay. And this is this Good is enough. a story about <laughs> one of them. Of... <laughs> I feel like there should be some guitar strumming right there, and then ancient Israel had some kings, and here's the story of one. So, right, all right. This is this is the Bible. Let's take it a little seriously, Michael. Please. This is the oh, word okay. Of... Okay. So at Lord. this point, we do have divided kingship. Yes. So Israel is split into two. There's a northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah. Which and one are you favor? Case, this, in this story, the two kingdoms of Israel are joining together to go to war against a mutual enemy. Yes. Which is, which is somewhat scandalous. So why don't we go ahead and read it and uh, 
You know what I think, Michael? This just came to me off the top of my head. But why don't we read it in sections and then stop and summarize um, a little bit of what we read? Isn't that, isn't that not probably the smartest That is thing? actually a brilliant idea, Jonathan. Thank you. I yeah. think, uh, And I'm going to take full credit for coming up with that idea completely on my own. Unaided. That's your, that's un your way. And that's my way. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll start. And I'm going to read through, well, why don't you stop me when you think we're at a good place to summarize? That, that's a dangerous game you're playing. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. Or I All might right. stop. All right. So for three years, Aram and Israel continued without war. Do we want to say who Aram is? Or am I mispronouncing it already? Is it Aram? I would say Aram. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> for three... I can't wait till you get a little bit, a little verse or two down from there, and start working on some of these other names. Oh, Jehoshaphat. Yeah, and Ramoth Gilead. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, our, our oh, Ram... what about verse eleven? What about verse eleven? <laughs> My God! All right, all right. Just calm down. <laughs> You'll be okay. reading verse eleven. I got excited. You were reading scripture. I know. I know. I know. So, Aram uh, apparently is. What you know, around the area of what is Syria now? It's its own. It's its own country. So it's not this person Aram, but Aram is the country. So the countries of Aram and Israel continue without war, suggesting that they had a treaty of some kind, a peace treaty, or at least an agreement. Mm -hmm. All right. So now we're on the same page there. But in the third year, King Jehoshaphat, is that pronounced okay for you? <laughs> How would you say it? <laughs> Well, you said Safat, and it's actually Shafat as it's written. Oh, for crying out loud. Right? Jehoshaphat. It's a between a sin and a shin in Hebrew, so. <laughs> in the third year, King Jehoshaphat. Is that better? I feel like you called me something there. <laughs> so many things. I'm using, so all many the, things. I'm using all the best words about you right now in my yeah. mind. King Just keep going. So in the third year, King Jehoshaphat of Judah, is Judah pronounced correctly for you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to pause this podcast for a moment and offer a public service bulletin. <laughs> I instruct folks in Bible study and especially in youth group that when they are reading scripture and they come across a name they don't know how to pronounce, they muster up all their courage and they do the best they can and they keep steaming on through it exactly like they knew what they were supposed to do. Yep. And everybody else in the room who's reading along will look at that and go, wow, I had no idea how to say that. And they're going to think you're so, so smart. Yeah. So, Malone, bluster through it and just pretend like you usually do. <laughs> I know, I know. But I, the problem is I know that you're judging me constantly, especially with my diction and pronunciation. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it makes me a little more self-conscious. Okay, in the third year, King Jehoshaphat. <laughs> in the third year, King Jehoshaphat of Judah came down to the king of Israel. The king of Israel said to his servants, "Do you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us? Yet we are doing nothing to take it out of the hand of King Aram." He said to Jehoshaphat, "Will you go with me to battle at Ramoth Gilead?" Jehoshaphat replied, is replied the way you pronounce it or is it replied? Um, replied to the king of Israel, I am as you are. My people are your people. My horses are your horses. 
All right. Stop that was there. a nice call back to the Book of Ruth right there, huh? It was. It was. <laughs> that's, that's greatest hits. It's all about the greatest hits. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. So, that, so what's going on there besides of there was a treaty between Aram and Israel? So we've got the king in the north stirring up trouble, basically. He's looking up that way, and mm-hmm. he sees that Aram is possessing land that he believes belongs to them, mm-hmm. uh, either because they historically possessed it or he believes that God has given it to him to possess. It's a good uh, thing we don't have those feelings going on nowadays. I know, I know. In all likelihood, at this point in time, I think it's a matter of actually they there was a time where the kingdom was larger than it is now. Yeah. And so he's looking up there, and for whatever reason, he wants the land. So he goes down to Judah and talks to the king there and basically is trying to see if the king of Judah will form an alliance with him, send troops, mm-hmm. sacrifice their, their young men to, uh, to get this piece of land back from Aram. And the king of Judah says, I'm with you. Yep. I am as you are my we people. Be, are your people. We beat Rose. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's significant that... Uh, or, you know, it's important that there's, again, implied that there's this treaty between Aram and Israel. And by the king of, of Israel saying, I want to take back this land, he's breaking the treaty. Or they, th- yeah. that, that's an implied yeah. um, subtext kind of thing going yep. on there. Yep. Okay. Why don't you take the next section? Oh. So you get verse 11. <laughs> Maybe we'll stop before that. Oh, that's true. Maybe we will. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. But Jehoshaphat also said to the king of Israel, Inquire first for the word of the Lord. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 of them, and said to them, Shall I go to battle against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? They said, Go up, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there no other prophet of the Lord here of whom we may inquire? The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is still one other by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, son of Imlah, but I hate him, for he never prophesies anything favorable about me, but only disaster. Jehoshaphat said, let the king not say such a thing. Then the king of Israel summoned an officer and said, bring quickly Micaiah, son of Imlah. Now the king of Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judah were sitting on their thrones, arrayed in their robes, at the threshing floor, at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets were prophesying before them. Zedekiah, son of Chenaath, made for himself horns of iron, and he said, Thus says the Lord, With these you shall gore the Arameans until they are destroyed. All the prophets were prophesying the same and saying, Go up to Ramoth-Gilead and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. All right. Great story. So far. So far. Yeah. So, so yeah, so Jehoshaphat being a righteous and pious man, that, that I'm reading into that, don't, don't, <laughs> that's not fair, um, says, shouldn't we uh, get some good news of whether, shouldn't we get some news that this will work or not? Let's ask God or the word of the Lord. And I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to read into that more than is it, I don't know if it's just perfunctory, like we should probably get some prophets to say if this is going to work or not, or if he's really saying we should hear what God has to say. Well, I think in that day and age, um, 
I'm not sure that the two were as far apart as they seem to be to us today. Hmm. That, that's a good point. I think if you were a, a king in that place and mm-hmm. you were going to go to war, you were going to ask God about it. Right. Okay. Or the gods about it. So then the king of Israel, who we never get his name. At least so far we don't have his name. You don't know his name, do you? Do we know his name? Yeah, the king of Israel. In this section of the narrative, we do not have his name. No. We're going to call him George. George. (laughs) Um, A good Hebrew name. Uh Uh-huh. So so George gathers prophets, the prophets together, 400 of them, mm-hmm. and asks, should we do this battle or not? And they say, do it. The, um, the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. Right? So that all sounds like good news. Yeah. So what's just, what, why do you think Jehoshaphat is pushing? He pushes further and says, is there no other prophet of the Lord here that, of whom we may inquire? Is he... It's a good question. Oh, okay. So let's hold on to that question then and come back to it. Well, I, I, I don't know if it'll make more sense holding on to it or attending to it now. Let's attend to what it now I, then. I mean, for whatever reason, uh, Jehoshaphat wants more information. Right. Um, maybe there's distrust of the king of the north, and mm-hmm. uh, he wants to make sure the king isn't just giving him letting him hear the prophets, the voices that already say what the king of the north wants them to say. Right. Um, though, of course, at this point, as we see in this episode, there's certainly this whole uh, uh, this uh, court prophet role and, and almost uh, you know entity in and of itself that's there. Mm-hmm. And one can only imagine it would not be an easy life to live if you were one of these court prophets who said things the king didn't like. Right. Which so kind I of, think that's good well, foreshadowing. Yeah, 400 people, is that what it was? Yeah, about 400. 400 of them saying, yeah, yeah, let's do what the king wants. Yep. Uh, one would expect that's what they said most of the time. <laughs> I would <laughs> yeah. expect that. It, um, the, the, of, of all the research I did, I, one thing that was pointed out was that in verse 6, the king of Israel gathers the prophets together. And then in in verse 7, Jehoshaphat asks, is there no other prophet of the Lord here? Yeah. And we may inquire. And so the previous uh, description of the prophets, they are not prophets of the Lord together. They're just the prophets. And later on, prophet of the Lord. That may just be a way of describing them. That might be significant. I don't think it's significant personally. Well. Because it's in verse 5, they're inquiring for the word of the Lord. And, of course, the prophets they gather would be the prophets of the Lord, at least in name. Right. Um, no, I'm still going to throw I, I, it out there that it could be. Yeah. I'm just going to say it could be. <laughs> I'm just not buying what you're selling, but that's no surprise either. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that this time. I'm all right yeah. with that. <laughs> I, I, since we're talking about this, too, though, and this whole court, court prophet thing, mm-hmm. you know, in the narrative of First Kings, uh, where this story falls— we, in theory, do know who the king of Israel is. Okay. He's just never named in the story itself. Right. Which could be an interesting thing to talk about later in the, our dialogue. Okay. Good. All right. We should probably keep working on the, on the narrative itself. Um, yeah. So they call Micaiah. Um, 
you know, the king doesn't like him. He says every time he, he says things, it's things I don't like. He always prophesies that it's not going to go well. I don't like hearing right. from him, but if you really want to hear him, fine. And and then you got, I like how we get this picture of uh, the king of Israel, king of Judah are there. They're arrayed in their, thro- in their robes. And all the prophets are prophesying before them. We get this, even this image of Zedekiah, son of... Oh, Chenna, ah, ah, ah. Too many A's. Uh, 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 yeah, too many A's in a row. And he's got horns of iron and saying, like, you shall gore the Armenians until, uh, you know, with these, you shall gore them until they are destroyed. And I'm sure the other prophets are kind of saying, like, you're laying on the metaphor a little thick there, Zedekiah. Can you ease up a bit? That, that's what the prophets do, though. Yeah, I know. I mean, we, we've got lots of stories of other prophets in, in the, the Hebrew scripture tradition where they're using these uh, pictures that are sometimes really graphic and sometimes really disgusting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, sometimes really what today would be considered vulgar, even, in order to try to get to grab people's attention. Right. They're, they're, on some level, it's that emotional hook, I think, that they're after. Yeah, Hosea, um, married, uh, Hosea married Gomer, the prostitute. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 um, Ezekiel laid on one side for... A prolonged amount of time, right? Yep. So yeah. So uh, yeah. Nothing of his cooking. <laughs> it was delicious. Um, look it up. <laughs> look it up. So yeah. So living out. So really leaning into the metaphor. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he he's doing what prophets do. Right. He's got a strong opinion out about this. He's trying to work the favor towards what he thinks is right. And in the case of war, I mean, it might be able to be argued that the more the soldiers believe they're going to succeed because God is on their side, the harder they're going to fight the battle Yeah, uh, because they're so confident they're going to win. And that could potentially turn the tide of battle in their favor, even. Right. So two thoughts. One, if it were me, I would totally phone it in if I knew I was going to win already. I'd be like, ah, you know, this is already done, so eh, just I'm not gonna go any farther than I need to. You right? have dishonored your family. <laughs> Second, I wonder if Zedekiah just kept those horns all the time, like he made them at one time and just always carried them with him. And the king is like, should I have a banquet? He puts on the horns and with these horns, you shall gore the beast <laughs> that you're going to eat. Like, should I mail this letter? With these horns, you shall gore the postman. Um, if, I mean, yeah, so I'm wondering if, if Zedekiah, he, just if that was his bit. He's put the work into making the horn. Yeah, he made He's going to get use out of the horn. I mean, they're made I, of I, iron, for crying out loud. I have right over there on a shelf a number of things that I have made in the course of ministry <laughs> that I have trouble getting rid of because I have made them and they have become meaningful. They had a special place in a special sermon or something like that. Right. And, you know, as yeah. weird looking as it may be when someone walks into my office— that Dalek I made with plungers and buckets and stuff is still going to be sitting up there, for instance. Yeah, I, so. I just, I mean, you know, seeing them all, I'm just wondering how often you get to use that full coat of, of armor that you made. Um, or is that's just what you wear every Sunday morning when you preach? Well, no, but <laughs> you think I'm joking about this. But there is a giant neon billboard hat over there that says, God loves this guy with an arrow pointing down at my head. (laughs) 
Well, someone needs to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> and if it's the mirror. Um, yeah. You should have written it backwards so you can only read it when you see it, look in the mirror. All right, let's continue with the story. Yeah. This whole episode is just going to be us reading this story. Yeah. You said we had two hours, right? <laughs> I said two to two and a half hours, yeah. Okay. Um, all right, I'll, I'll pick it up. I'm going to read 13 and um, 14. I'm trying to decide if I want to read 15 as well. No, and I'll read, I'll read all the way through 18, 13 through 18. The messenger who had gone to summon Micaiah said to him, Look, the words of the prophet, yet yeah, look, the words of the prophet with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. When he had come to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall we refrain? He answered him, Go up in triumph. The Lord will give it uh, into the hand of the king. But the king said to him, How many times must I make you swear to tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Then Micaiah said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains, like sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each one go home in peace. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy anything favorable about me, but only disaster? Yeah. yeah. Micaiah was the Debbie Downer of the prophetic tradition. Boy, and how. Yeah. And I like how, so yeah, so even, I, he gets warned. The messenger says, look it, you should probably go <laughs> with everyone else. They're all saying it's going to go well. Yeah, they're trying to help him out. They really are. And he's like, nope, I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna say what God tells me to say. And and so it's kind of funny when his first response is, "Go up and triumph. God will give it to you. You're gonna be fine." Like that's his response. So I what did, do you make of that? I you know I I I didn't read it with any inflection, so I wonder if he's being sarcastic. Yeah, we can't read sarcasm. Did they have brought, sarcasm back then? I think so. Okay. God seems to have used an awful lot. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, God. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, it's this is one of those places, yeah, where you can't really read the text, read what the prophet is saying literally. The inflection, it, it should be in there somehow, I would think. Go up and try it. Well, and... yes. But, or, or, and I'm, I, I'm not saying this is the way that I would read it. But a case could perhaps be made, mm -hmm. particularly by those whose natural inclination was to read things more literally, mm -hmm. that Micaiah has just said, I'm going to say what God tells me to say, and then immediately says, yeah, go up and do it. Um, oh. Oh, yeah. The Lord will if, give it into the hand of the king. Which king? So, a case perhaps could be made that God was saying to Micaiah, yeah, tell him to go. <laughs> Give him the encouragement he needs to make an idiot of himself so we can move on with this thing. <laughs> that's true. I'm not saying I read it that way. Right. But I, yeah, that's another. There's still, yeah, there's still layers of meaning in that if statement. If Micaiah is going to 100% be faithful to what God says, and they say, what is God saying to you? Mm -hmm. And that's what Micaiah says, then I think we got to, we would have to read it that Micaiah is being faithful to what he hear God saying, and God is saying, 
yeah, you want to screw yourselves, go screw yourselves. Like I said, yeah, that's not necessarily the way that I would naturally read it. Right. And I don't know that that's the way I want to read it, for but sure. One could if one wanted to. But one could if one was wrestling with the, the presence of sarcasm in the biblical text. Yeah, yeah. For some, some people, it's hard to imagine prophets being sarcastic. Yeah. Those They're are people holy, right? <laughs> they haven't been reading enough of the prophets then. Further, yeah, exactly. Further <laughs> evidence that they've been reading about them instead of reading them. <laughs> right. <laughs> So and then the um, the king responds like you need to you know tell me the truth, and Micaiah says it's not going to go well. I see the you know Israel scattered on the mountain; they have no master, suggesting that the king doesn't make it. And the king of Israel says, "See, he only says disaster." Mm-hmm. So wah, wah. yeah. Um, do you want to read the next section? Sure. Then Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, with all the host of heaven standing beside him to the right and to the left of him. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab, so that he may go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? Oh, there's his name. Oh, hey. I, knew, I knew you'd find it. Ah, oh, right. Then one of them said one thing, and another said another, until the Spirit came forward and stood before the Lord, saying, I will entice him. How, the Lord asked him. He replied, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Then the Lord said, you are to entice him and you shall succeed. Go out and do it. So you see, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these, your prophets. The Lord has decreed disaster for you. That's so great. I love that. I mean, he is throwing down oh, I, yeah. that, that idea of like being, being able to be in the presence of the heavenly host. That gives you cre- that gives you credibility, right? That that well, yeah yeah. I mean, we yeah. see that with other prophets in that yeah. presence, and like now that I have authority because I've been in the presence of the heavenly host. So Micaiah is saying, "Let's remember who I am, and, and, and you know where my authority comes from." Yeah, though though to me the interesting part about this section is not so much the way Micaiah is drawing authority onto what he's saying. Right, but rather but, the connections here we get to other passages of Scripture, and the way that we think about some of the other personalities of Scripture that are found in those other passages. All right, you better unpack that for me. So this, what Micaiah sees here, has a remarkable—it's uh, uh, it, remarkably consistent with another image of heaven that we encounter in the opening parts of the Book of Job. Right. So in the opening book of Job, we have a character, Hasatan, mm-hmm. the Satan, the accuser, who is accustomed to presenting itself before God as one of the, the hosts, or what, uh, in a similar sort of imagining uh, in, in Zechariah, we get uh, uh, the, the expression, the sons of God. So right. uh, I think we might have that in Job as well, in fact. So Hasatan is one of the sons of God mm-hmm. who presents themselves to God, who seems to have a bona fide responsibility in terms of going throughout the world and gathering intelligence, reporting it to God, and then in some ways acting on God's in, uh, instructions about what to do with that intelligence. Right. Um, and so here we seem to have in First Kings, Micaiah envisioning this 
uh, this heavenly throne room scene where we have these hosts of heaven, what what I mentioned before are called sons of God and other right. places, um, who are standing before God, and God is saying, who's going to entice Ahab? Who's going to lead him astray, essentially? In the same way that in the Job story, Hasatan mm-hmm. is telling God that he can lead Job astray. Right. So, yeah, and, uh, and then... Uh, the way that the way that Micaiah says, "Here's how the, you know. Here's what Hasatan, or here's what the spirit is going to do. They're going to make all of your prophets lie." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in in that, I mean, in just this one move, Micaiah says, "Here's why I'm a better prophet than everyone else, and here's why you're all wrong." It's it's a it's yeah. fantastic. It's a fantastic throwdown. So like, it is. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, you, maybe your prophecy. Move, what? A risky move, though. It is a risky move. Um, yeah, he's, and not one without opposition, as the following verses will testify to. So, all right. So, I, well, I mean, I'm going to go right into that. Let's go into And I'm going to do the best I can with the, the man with many A's in his name. So, then Zedekiah, son of Chenaah, uh, uh, came to Micaiah, slapped him on the cheek and said, which way did the Spirit of the Lord pass for me to speak to you? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Micaiah replied, You will find out on that day when you go in to hide in an inner chamber. <laughs> That's also great. <laughs> um, the king of Israel then ordered, Take Micaiah and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to um, Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him on reduced rations of bread and water until I come in peace. Micaiah said, If you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, Hear you peoples, all of you. So, Zed, Zed, so Zedekiah goes and uh, gives a bitch slap on the cheek, throws down. Yeah. And Micaiah throws right back. Um, that, um, when, when he says, You'll find out on that day when you go to hide in an inner chamber. What what is inner chamber referring to? I have a sense of what it might be, but I don't want to presume. Well, presume away. Well, I think it's the bathroom. <laughs> That's my. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that might just be because it's funny in my mind. If that so, were the case, so what? Like Micaiah's cursed him with a bad burrito or something. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. <laughs> oh, boy. Not scripturally accurate? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I think what is more likely <laughs> here is the bathroom, isn't it? Is sim- no. <laughs> Come on. The chamber bot. Of, of hiding. Oh, well, sure. That things are going to go really bad here. Mm-hmm. As the kings move ahead. And in fact, things are going to go really bad for the king of Israel, who we now know to be Ahab. Yep. Who has and a. That's going to put Zedekiah in a very good place. Right. So he'll have to go hide in the bathroom. He's going to be hiding because he... bad things are going to happen to He's him. He's going to be scared poopless. It's still thanks to the burrito bomb. Thanks to the burrito bomb that, <laughs> and it goes. Aram was known as the first country to use 
burrito bombs in warfare. Uh, it's not it's not known. You have to really look in Pritchard's uh, text to get that. But it's there. I'll have to to read the Wikipedia article on that one. <laughs> yeah. No, it's I wouldn't look it up. Just take my word for it. It's true. Oh. <laughs> and uh, and king of the king of Israel, Ahab, he had a peg leg. <laughs> <laughs> That's also. It's it's the beard and hat that makes the outfit, not the peg leg. <laughs> He just needs to get his Ramoth Gilead. It's his, um, that one thing that keeps getting away from yeah. him that he keeps chasing. I know there's another name for it, another illustration that I can't think of, but I'm sure that someone's well, written a, a story about it. It's the classic trope. Of course. It's, <laughs> of the conqueror and adventure, isn't it? There's um, always that one more land. There's always that one more place. There's always that one more dragon. That white whale, so to speak. Or golden-haired maiden to rescue, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. He's just greedy. Got to let it go, man. I think uh, Ramoth Gildead just might be his Guinevere, though. <laughs> that, wow, that's pretty good. I was just going to say, Ahab, just hold on to your one good leg and go home. Yeah. Be happy you've got that. Maybe uh, maybe have Zedekiah, instead of him making horns out of cast iron, make you a new leg. Yeah. And that wooden one just gets rotten. And... He should he should have beat Micaiah with the wooden leg when he had the chance. <laughs> I'm surprised Zedekiah didn't gore Micaiah yeah. with the horn. Instead, he just slaps him. Come on, Zedekiah. Okay, so so they so the king that got a little off the rails in a nice way. So the it king did. says, throw him in prison, give him reduced rations of bread and water. That's yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Make him suffer. He only gets one pita. One pita and just a little bit of water, probably unfiltered beaver water. Yeah, um, and and if I like how the, if it were all in a plate together, the water and the pita, that would be real torture. That would be soggy pita. Nothing worse than a soggy pita. Ugh. I'm trying to think if there is anything worse than a soggy pita, and nothing is coming to mind. Yeah, that'd make me take refuge in the inner room. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So I like how Micaiah ends by saying, you know, um, here you peoples, all of you, kind of like putting his stamp. Yeah. I'm like, I'm swearing. Yeah, yeah. So, he, he, he's laying it down. He really is. Yeah. Hey, I don't think this is humility on Micaiah's part that says, if you return in peace, the Lord is not spoken by me. I no. think this is another power move, really, as well. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but I think it is one that's remarkably, uh, remarkably effective in this story. So between you and me, because this is, uh, um, we're gonna. No one else is listening. Yeah, right. Yeah. Do you think Micaiah has any friends? I mean, just on a personal level, do you think he had any friends? <laughs> on a personal level, do we? <laughs> Michael, no I thought. Like, no one likes a prophet. I thought you were my. Wait a second. <laughs> you said. Huh. No one sad. likes a prophet. No. Whether or not the prophet is in their hometown, no one likes a prophet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you get that one passage, a prophet can't prophesy in a hometown. And so he's like, well, just go somewhere else and you'll be okay. Like, no. Even there. Yeah. So poor, poor Micaiah. I have a nephew named Micaiah, actually. Yeah. Um, he doesn't have any friends. But he's like five. No, I don't think five-year-olds well, know how to have friends. Maybe you should listen to what he says. I can barely understand him. 
But that's not because he's five. That, that's the tactic. <laughs> that's the tactic Jehoshaphat should have used. He just pretends he can't understand what he's saying. What? Did he? What? It's like he's talking in Greek or something. That northern dialect. I just uh, can't get oh. my head around it. Oh, jeez. Too much twang. All right, let's finish the story. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's your turn, right? Oh, is it? How far are we going? I would say finish it. Go from 20, 29 to like 36. Okay. So the king of Israel and king Jehoshaphat of Judah went up to Ramoth Gilead. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you wear your robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. Now the king of Aram had commanded the 32 captains of his chariots, fight with no one small or great, but only with the king of Israel. When the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they said, It is surely the king of Israel. So they turned to fight against him. And Jehoshaphat cried out. Like a little baby. Yeah. When the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. But a certain man drew his bow and unknowingly struck the king of Israel between the scale armor and the breastplate. Just so like from said, The Hobbit. So he said to the driver of his chariot, Turn around and carry me out of the battle, for I am wounded. The battle grew hot that day, for the king was propped up in his chariot facing the Arameans until at evening he died. The blood from the wound had flowed into the bottom of the chariot. Then about sunset, a shout went through the army, every man to his city and every man to his country. Now, what did Micaiah say? He said, um, oh, that's it. I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep that have no shepherd. And the, the Lord said, yeah, that guy, yeah, he nailed that one. <laughs> if we had, yeah. I mean, you know how they have the, uh, the lie meter for politicians? <laughs> <laughs> Got to have the profit meter for profits. Because he would be way up in the green for that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So just to make sure everyone got the nuances, they go into battle. Um, uh, King Ahab disguises himself because he's a brave leader. Um, no, he, does, no, he doesn't just – no, no. Throw the brave leader part piece out. Yeah. I know I you're know. being sarcastic, but you're not being sarcastic enough. Oh. Because not only does he disguise himself – but he, king, he tells King Jehoshaphat oh, right, right. he's wearing his royal garb. Yeah, that's right. He says, you so go dress like me. In the whole battlefield who looks like a king, and it's not him, it's somebody else. <laughs> that's fantastic. He's completely set up Jehoshaphat for the right. scapegoat of this whole escapade. And, and the king of Aram. And it almost works. It almost works. He almost got away with it. If it weren't for those meddling kids. I know. For Jehoshaphat crying out. So, yeah, so King of Aram says, like, go, and we just want the king of Israel they go after yeah. Jehoshaphat, see that he's not Ahab, and uh, and then someone just draws the bow and shoots an arrow, and it randomly hits. Bing. Yep. Yep. Randomly. It just <laughs> gets him right Enough between Enough to make them. you believe in God, isn't it? Well, or just dumb luck. <laughs> you know, and that's why bows and arrows are now illegal. They're dangerous. Yeah, that's, that's every. So all right, so the king 
King Ahab dies. Micaiah was right. Well, now, King Ahab dies, but it, it's a little more dramatic than that, too. Yes. Go ahead. Because he's struck by the he's struck by the arrow. He tells the driver of his chariot to to carry him out of battle, and so he ch- carries him out of battle. But he kind of like gets him up on a hill, and he's propped up in his chariot. Mm-hmm. So like he dies standing out. It bleeds standing up, looking out over the battle, where like everybody looks at him and thinks he's alive and well and carrying on. And in reality, he probably was dead when they looked at him. So it's not exactly a glamorous way to go. It's kind of a week, weekend at Bernie's kind of situation, isn't it? It is very much a weekend at Bernie's situation. And what we, if we kept reading, you would see that Jehoshaphat then took him back to his house and pretended he was alive for two more years to uh, unify the countries. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. that's in third And for Kings. the booze. <laughs> and for the booze. <laughs> It's like we just gotta, just gotta see if we can get it to pass for just a couple more weeks. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's in. Uh, you have to look ahead to Third Kings. Um, the Third Kings. That that story of Jehoshaphat, three Ahab, kings. and yeah, Three Kings. Sorry, Three Kings, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and those are the three kings who actually go then and visit Jesus when he's born. Yeah. yeah. Um, this was just right before the birth of Jesus. This whole story. Yeah. <laughs> I, I There's hope- also that translation piece that comes in too so the word for king in the old testament becomes the word magi in the new testament right. you know it's sort of hebrew greek interface it is totally yeah it's a one for one they're both four letters <laughs> no. so let the listener know that pretty much 80 to 90 percent of what we just said was false i just want to make sure because i don't need some pastor going and preaching this and saying and jehoshaphat took ahab and kept him alive and you see god can work through anything you're like no he i mean yes god can but god didn't in that case this is a strange rabbit trail you're following at this point i love it i love it okay so we don't hear about micaiah after this like he's done he's well and we presume yep. he got out of prison, but we don't know. Yeah. And, this, uh, this is, this is, he passes into the story, and he passes out of the story. That's all we got. Okay. Um, good. So now you, you asked to talk about this, this story. <laughs> and I think I, I – so part of me feels like you did it because you wanted to go for something obscure that I may have never read before. But I will have, let you know. That I have heard this story, and in fact, Bill Holiday, William Holiday, who wrote the commentary on Jeremiah, I remember him teaching this story in my Old Testament class, class which I got a D in, uh, which I deserved. Pass. <laughs> I passed. It's a pass. <laughs> Just barely. I retook Old Testament. Um, but I remember him like putting his fingers on his heads and send, and acting out the part of Zedekiah. Uh, yeah. It was great teaching. It was a great teaching That's moment. That's why you remember it. Yeah. Because of the vividness, which is why Zedekiah did it to begin with. Um, so if, so, what I think, is the reason you brought this up is because you just love um, props. And you're all about the prop ministry and prop preaching. Um, yeah, I mean, that's so... But is, am I wrong? Am I missing something else here? <laughs> There's a number of reasons why this was an interesting place for us to go. Prop preaching. I'm going to write that book, Prop Preaching. Yeah. You're going to have to come up with a better way of describing it. 
No, I'm going to stay there's, with that. There's PR, PR just is not, not working in England. I'm, I'm sticking with it. <laughs> no. So uh, you said, how about something in the profit or something with a profit or something like that? Right. And I responded with this because uh, Micaiah is my favorite prophet. Oh, good. Um, Jeremiah is probably my cl uh, close second, but uh, but I think Micaiah is probably my favorite prophet. Yeah, everyone goes and, for Jeremiah. That's and a, when, that's a bandwagon. Well, you think it is, <laughs> but if you're on Jeremiah's bandwagon, you haven't been reading Jeremiah. <laughs> You pulled a couple of verses out of context, and you said, "Oh, this feels good." New covenant so on the go heart. With that. Yep. Uh, no, go ahead though. For Micaiah, back to Micaiah. Back to Micaiah. So when we uh, when we do talk about the prophets, mm -hmm. I think it is folks like Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel that tend to get all the attention. Right. And maybe now and again we'll drift into you know Amos or, or yeah, you know, rarely Hosea. Right, you know, uh, but there's a couple of the others that we'll we'll turn towards depending uh, on the liturgical time of the yeah. year too. Ze Zechariah gets attention during uh, during Advent, for instance. Habakkuk, I think, as well, and yeah. Joel during Lent, and right. But we don't pay much attention to the prophets that are found in the books of Samuel, Kings, right, and Chronicles by association, of course. I never read Chronicles; it's redundant. Yeah, it's. Uh... <laughs> another podcast <laughs> my my master's thesis was actually looking at the comparing passages of kings and chronic or samuel kings with chronicles oh wow and okay. attending to to the dif differences both linguistically and theologically i'm working on a book called the efficient read of the bible which cuts out all of the redundant parts you only need oh. one gospel yeah it's the thomas jefferson path yeah, yeah, I think he was on the right track there. If we want to, we, I, you know, Michael, we don't have time to be rereading stories with nuances. Just give me the, there, let me just read it once and that's good enough. Anyways, going back to there, Micaiah. <laughs> there's a fatal flaw in your plan with that book, though. In order to write a book about an efficient read of the Bible, you have to read the Bible. I know, I know, I know. That's, it's, so, a, I'm fine. Anyway. I, I have to find someone to ghostwrite it. That's all. Go ahead. So we, we have quite a number of prophets that are present in the stories of mm -hmm. Samuel Kings. Yeah. But only two of those even are really known to most people. And we can't ever remember which is which because their names are so similar. And the second one is supposed to be like the first one, but better. You're talking about Nathan and Nathan? No, I'm talking oh. about <laughs> Elijah and Elisha. Oh, right. Them. Them. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's Nathan, too, I suppose. Well, yeah. But, Micaiah is one of those great voices from the past, mm -hmm. though, that I think tells us a lot about uh, about leadership, mm. about uh, discernment, mm -hmm. um, and and things like who we are as people of faith when people right. do come to us, um, because people do come, at least in my pastoral context, people often will come to me with a question mm -hmm. that they've already got an answer to. And what they really want is God's approval to do what they've already decided they want to do. It's exactly what this story is, which is right. why I have my iron horns over there on the shelf, just in case right. I need to you know, I've, whip those puppies out in symbolic uh, representation of something or I've, other. I thought it was from the time in your life when you took the idea of heavy metal too literally. Yeah. 
from my Viking band. <laughs> from your Viking band days. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting things for us to learn from this not short chapter, admittedly. Right. Yeah. Um, that, you know, I, I see a lot of human nature in here, the way that leaders approach others, the way that folks approach religious leadership, right? The way the way that in religious leadership, there is, I think, this hard pull or push, or I don't even know what it is, this gravity that pulls you into uh, the majority, um, yeah. even when you feel like you should be standing outside of that. Um, these are things we continue to wrestle with, and they're so blatantly clear in this story. I mean, there's no fine point on anything in what we read. Um, <laughs> right, right. And, and, you know, there, there's some help in that, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, there tends to be more of a fine point on things in my own life than there is in this story. But then again, when you look back, things tend to be more clear than they are in the moment, too. Yeah. So I imagine that we find, as, as pastors... Well, I, I won't speak for you. Heaven forbid. I presume so much. <laughs> I find myself often vacillating between the place of Ahab saying, I, I just want to, like you said, I just want to hear, I just want someone to confirm what it is that I want to do anyways. So mm -hmm. let me just pray in the right way so that I hear God say, yeah, you're, you're good. And the 400 prophets where, you know, someone will come to me and say, I've got this idea for the church, and you hear it, and you're like, oh, it's not awful. It's not great. But you're like, yeah, go for it. I think I think that's going to – that's a winner, right? And, you know, maybe not like fully-throated, you know, endorsement, but it's like, yeah, you know. And and I, so that's where I find myself vacillated between those two. Mm -hmm. now, if, I, if, if I were to be honest for once, if I was to be honest well, for once. I know you'll edit this part out. Yeah, I probably – I mean, come on. People have a certain image of me that I need to uphold. Well, <laughs> I, so do you find that self? Do you find that for yourself as well, or or not so much? Well, sometimes um, you're, I, you're a better pastor than I am. I don't know about that. Maybe <laughs> fewer people propose ideas to me. <laughs> <laughs> they walk in, they see the horns, and they're like, that's right. It. Forget yeah, it. not going on the horns again. <laughs> Put on the horns. God will gorge away to make that happen. Yeah, that that was a reference to the King Killer Chronicles for those astute listeners of yours. Wow, that's a deep yeah, cut. Patrick Rothfuss. That's pretty good. I haven't read those, but that's pretty good. Great books. Great books. Here's another monkey wrench, though, I wanted to throw in this. Because oh. when you were initially starting this reading, mm -hmm. um, you wanted to color the king of the north, who you did not yet know was Ahab, he right. who shall not be named. Yep. Um, you wanted to color the king of the north poorly and the king of the south, Jehoshaphat, in a good light. You wanted King Jehoshaphat to be more spiritual. Well, uh, isn't there another prophet of the Lord that you can inquire on, right? Right, right. So you think maybe Jehoshaphat is looking for an out? Did Jehoshaphat listen to Micaiah? Oh, yeah. No, he still went to battle. He still went to battle. He was a total yes man throughout the whole thing. Yeah, Ahab yeah. was like, hey, you want to come to battle? I'm like, yeah, sure, fine. So so put yourself in Micaiah's shoes again now, mm -hmm. and let's think about those relationships we've been in. Uh, 
where we've been in those kinds of situations too, where the person comes to us. I mean, we've already talked about folks like Ahab who come to us and they already know what they want to do and they just want our stamp of approval on it. Right. But I think there's a lot of Jehoshaphats that come to me as well, where they seem like they're really wanting to hear what God has to say. Right. And you really invest in them and you really take risks with them. Yeah. And then it doesn't pay out at all. Those are challenging ministry places too, I find. Yeah, because then they come back again another time, and you're like, ah, we've been, we've done this dance before. Yeah, and you know, and I could try to tell you again, but I don't think you're gonna listen. Or, yeah, or even even if you just continue to take them each time, and they seem genuine, and you treat them as genuine, you know, there's a lot of energies that get expended in ministry. I think. Yeah. That end up not. Uh, I've almost said not producing results, but I don't want to say that because I really don't like using results language when talking about ministry in general. Mm. Oh, good. Some of the most powerful ministry I think I've ever been engaged in has been ministry that we knew was going to fail when we started. Um, But it was taking a stand Mm. against an impossible situation, um, and showing love in the midst of that was worth showing love in the midst of that. Um, So, but... You know, we in those situations don't have the kind of uh, um, self-confidence uh, that Micaiah, I think, seems to have at the end of this story. Right. Where he, he can say to everybody, fine, if, if, if it goes the way I say, then you know God's spoken through me. If it doesn't go the way I say, then God didn't speak through me. You know, we can't do that in ministry, whether yeah. or not we may think it. Right, right. Um, we, we can only hope and pray that people connect some of those dots and, you know, for a thousand times of taking the wrong path that one time they're going to they're going to go the right way. What about um, what about the lack of agency of the prophets or the potential lack of agency of the prophets? If, if one were to read, I mean, not Micaiah, but the other prophets that, you know, Micaiah gives this whole description you know, the heavenly host and the spirit, you know, the, um, this one, um, one says, a spirit comes forward and says, I will entice a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. Mm-hmm. Does that take the blame off of the hands of those prophets? And they could say, look at, we didn't have a choice. That's a good question. Yeah. Good. What, oh. do, you, what do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I really... Um, I, I think that could be dangerous that if if you're convicted in something and you say it and say it and say it and then it goes horribly or you find that you were wrong to be able to say like, well, God gave me that to say and God must have done it for a reason to not take any responsibility. Well, I don't think the prophets here did take responsibility. Right. But to play a little bit of devil's advocate with you, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that that's the only response. Okay. I mean, again, I'm going to take this and try to make it more 21st century in my life type of a situation. There have been times where I felt really, really confident that I was heading down the path that God wanted me to go down. Mm -hmm. I was as confident of that as nearly anything else I ever thought. Right. And things didn't work out. 
the way that I thought they were going to work out. And in fact, I was able to look back and see ways where what I was doing was more harmful mm. than helpful. Yeah. But I couldn't see that in the time. The lesson there for me isn't, well, there must have been a lying spirit that was put to me, and therefore I'm not responsible for that. I feel tremendously responsible for that. Probably I feel more responsible for that than I ought to. Mm. What it does do is it drives me into a deeper process of discernment next time, mm. and it drives me to a place where there's more humility in the way that I regard the confidence I have about things. That's, I mean, I, I, I'm right there with you. I love mm -hmm. that answer. Humility is a hard is is a hard word to bring into this whole narrative because Micaiah doesn't have any humility, and the prophets don't have any humility, and uh, and, and there's this friction rubbing against each other. And what if one of them did back? What if Micaiah backed down and said, "Look, at this is what I hear, is what I see, but you know I could be wrong." And let's make space for that because that's the response I want to have. I love that. I could be wrong, so let's make space and let's let's process this together, right? That's not right. at all Micaiah's response. He digs in. Well, maybe it is his response. In, when he first why brought, can't you just agree with me for one? Just give me one thing. For cry out loud, Michael. <laughs> when, when he's first brought before the king... He says, yeah, do it. Sure, go ahead. Uh, and again, how we inflect that it was, as we read it right. changes how we hear that right, in right, our right. mind's eye or in mind's ear. But uh, is, is what he's doing there that different than what you're talking about? Does humility have to mean self-depreciation? Well, for me it does, but that's just part of my own. <laughs> well, that's why you don't do it. Yeah, thank you. There it is. <laughs> there it is. I've been surprised you could say the word this many times. I thought it was like Beetlejuice or something. <laughs> you said it three times and your head exploded. Or... I, well, I'm, I'm getting close. Um, <laughs> I better use a big word soon or else I'll... <laughs> you haven't named a theologian this whole episode. No, we're talking about the Bible. I could talk about Robert Alter. It doesn't his... matter. It's the only thing you know how to talk about. <laughs> how dare you, sir? I could also talk about the bassoon. Yeah. And Proust. Oh, Proust. <laughs> no. Well, I, I don't think the biblical stories are all intended to be models for us to live by. Right. I think more often than not, they're intended to be cautionary tales about how not to be. That's my opinion. And that means to look at the story and say, it's kind of hard to hold anybody up and say, this is humility that you should right. model. That's not a relevant question to me. The relevant question is, what is this kind of a story supposed to invoke in me? Hmm. And, there are and in that case, humility very much could be at the center of the story. Because it's not demonstrated by either of the kings. Right. None of them are end up being willing to bend from where they started the story. Right. I mean, there's no change in them from the beginning to the end at all. Which makes they, it, from yeah. The beginning, they knew what they wanted. They did what they wanted. Um, having the humility to listen to that one prophet out of 400, that sounds closer to a lesson to me. Hmm. 
how do we discern between the voices of the majority and right. the voices of God in our life? That's a process that involves humility. So one of the uh, so we have one of the things I like from this passage and one of the challenging places of engagement. Um, instead of saying how can I be more like the prophet of Micaiah, it's more how can I make sure I'm not like. I mean, this is, I'm kind right. of restating what you're saying. Not like right. the other prophets or the kings. Uh, in, right. in in their flaws. As clergy persons, it's easier for us to put ourselves in the prophetic role in this story. Right. Because we can relate with some of the kinds of interactions that we see in here. Yeah. But I think as human beings, the role we're supposed to be identifying with is that of the kings. And I think and if... thinking about who do we surround ourselves with? Right. You know, what kinds of voices do we listen to? Do we pay attention to the loudest voices or the mm -hmm. most voices or the best acted out voices? Or do we listen to the voices of truth? It, and I think it, clergy persons, I don't want to let the clergy folks off the hook because I think if anyone else, if we're really honest with ourselves, we really should be saying how are we more like the kings? Well, hashtag clergy are people too. <laughs> is that a hashtag? It is now. All right, good. Let's, uh, it's on this podcast. It'll be trending in like a week. Well, that, well, that's how this works, that's right? How, that's yeah, yeah. My uh, my loyal listeners will start to um, what do what everyone does to make a hashtag trend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. What the, I'll start. I'll start printing out in the mimeograph and handing out the leaflets right. on the street corners, and that'll ha that's how it'll happen. Yep. Yeah. That actually might work. That's crazy enough. It just could work. Um, all right, I think we're at a good spot. So I want to. We want to encourage people to read. Uh, but first, we want to encourage people to read. Just read. Just full stop. <laughs> yeah, please just read. Read a book. You know, and and both Michael and I are are um, we 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 prefer those books that can be opened and closed. Not. Um, electronic books and not not with an app not with an app but can be open and closed with an axe but not with an app um you're like, doing it wrong <laughs> what <laughs> that's why all my books are broken <laughs> but i get through them so quickly um, i'm glad there wasn't a page turn in our scripture reading today <laughs> it's a nice axe um <laughs> you should bring that camping uh your next backpacking trip, Malone. You you should try. You should bring an axe. It's I'm gonna an bring. Tool. I'm gonna. It's. I'm gonna make sure everyone has an axe on you my should. next backpacking trip, um, because otherwise we're just ill prepared. So uh, well, and you can't read without one. You can't read without an axe. That's just a basic <laughs> rule. Okay. So people, uh, first we encourage you to read. We also encourage you to read the Bible. We especially, and then beyond that, we encourage you to read First Kings. Chapter 22, verses 1 through 36. Read on. Read before, read after. I'll read First and Second Kings. It's fun. It's fun stuff. And I never said, but we read the New Revised Standard Version. I know there's other versions out there that people prefer. But this is the one that Jesus told me to read. I had a vision. I was at the Heavenly Host. And someone said, what Bible should we give Malone? Whack. Which way did the Spirit of the Lord pass from me to speak to you? <laughs> scene all right michael what time are your worship services uh 10 10 and that's central standard time yes that's important it is so if i was going to go to your worship service i need to show up at 11 
Yes. <laughs> Except your phone will change for you before uh, you get here. I hate it. You know, I actually I, I don't like that my phone does that. I want to choose whether or not I change the time of my phone. You should wear a watch. Uh, I should, but... A real watch. <sighs> like with gears in it. I I just carry an axe and use that to tell time. <laughs> use it like a sundial. I use it like a sundial. It works fine. Yeah. It works fine. It's worked for me for this long. Why should I change it? All right, so uh, what time was your worship service? <laughs> 10? 10. 10. So if, if you're in Atchison, Kansas, or the greater Atchison area, um, go to go to the First Baptist Church at 10 o'clock. Show up at 9.50 so you can get a seat because it fills up. Easy access from anywhere in the Atchison metropolitan area. Yeah, that it's a metropolitan area is pretty impressive. Um, and, and go visit and say hello to Michael. And if you're in East Greenwich area... Um, or if you're in Rhode Island, New England, um, come to First Baptist Church. Worship service at 9.30 Eastern Standard Time. So you got to show up at 8.30. I'll never do that. Yeah, yeah that's no it's one should, too early. No one should worship at that time. Michael, thank you very much for, for being on the show. It's a lot of fun. I'm going to make myself a set of horns. I really am. I'm going to make myself a set of, of iron, cast iron horns. I'm going to wear them on the third Sunday of every month. And that Sunday is going to be the stewardship Sunday with the church. And I'm going to make some kind of reference about how God will gore you if you don't give a certain amount. I think that'll be a lot of fun. I, I probably won't do that because that would involve me actually learning a trade of something useful like you know, working with metal and things like that. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. Thanks for listening. Thanks for, for sticking it out. Um, I mean, you needed to know how it was going to end, and I like how we, we took our time going through it. Uh, but I, I really appreciate it. Thanks for, for joining me on this podcast. You know, it's nice to have you sitting here with me listening. Um, the metaphysical leaps that we do with podcasts and radio and stuff is really interesting. That might be a conversation for another time. If you uh, have a comment or question or anything of that nature about this show, about the things that were said or anything else of that nature, those can be sent to 12enough at gmail.com. Please do send your questions or comments or anything like that. You can leave little quick comments on the Facebook page. That's Facebook slash 12enough. If you want to follow me on Twitter, that's Pastor Malone. Pastor Malone. I feel like I added another syllable. Just Pastor Malone. That's my Twitter handle. It handles well. Uh, and um, as always, please go and like and rate the show. Uh, let us know what you think. Thank you very much for listening. 12 Enough is a podcast about Christian faith and culture in the modern age. Your hosts were Jonathan Malone, the pastor of the First Baptist Church of East Greenwich, Rhode Island, and Michael Strickland, the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Atchison, Kansas. The thoughts, ideas, moments of wondering the misspeaking and the corrections and the brilliant use of horns uh, that occur on this podcast do not reflect their churches their families their friends their denominations any other associations that there might be at any time or any way whatsoever these are their own ideas this is their podcast